possible to return to a fulfilling, challenging, successful career after a long career break? After listening to this story, we want your answer to be a resounding yes. I'm Anna. And I'm Karen. We're both coaches with Women Returners, the Return to Work Specialists. We work with employers and career returners to enable professionals to return to satisfying and fulfilling work after career breaks of 2, 5, 10 or even 15 years. And we're excited now to share some of their inspirational stories with you. On our Career Returners podcast, you'll hear from a diverse range of people sharing the ups and downs of their return to work journeys after taking long career breaks for childcare, elder care, health or other reasons. After each story, Karen and I will chat over some of the key themes that emerged and share some of our top return to work tips. And a big thank you to Credit Suisse for supporting us to bring this podcast to life. Credit Suisse were one of the pioneering employers in supporting talented professionals to return to work after a career break. Their Real Returns program currently runs in the US, UK, India and Switzerland and offers returners a smooth transition back into the workforce. After listening to this episode, do head along to womenreturners.com where you'll find lots of advice, over 100 success stories and a range of return to work opportunities. And do sign up to our free network and Facebook group too for extra support and connection. And now, over to this week's guest. I'm delighted to introduce today's podcast guest, Dr. Sarah McKelvey. Sarah is a clinical fellow in geriatric medicine at Oxford University Hospital's NHS Trust. Sarah qualified as a doctor in 2001 and pursued a career in hospital medicine and general practice. She took a 12-year career break to raise her young family, during which she immersed herself in various charity projects, from fundraising to setting up football teams for disabled children, for which she won an FA Grassroots Volunteers Award. When COVID-19 hit, she decided the time was right to return to medicine. And today, Sarah finds herself working full-time on a busy acute medical ward in the middle of a very challenging pandemic. Sarah, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Sarah, your early career sounded really exciting, working and living in different countries. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so it was quite a normal medical pathway initially. So I qualified from Cambridge and then St. Mary's Hospital in London and worked for a year in in my house jobs and then took a year out almost straight away, but to work in both New Zealand and Australia. And then came back and did something called a medical SHO rotation. So I was on the pathway to becoming a physician. So medicine split into medicine, surgery, gynae, psych and other things. And I was going to do medicine. And I did this rotation, which was several jobs over a sort of two and a half year period in an, in very busy London hospitals, culminating in a postgraduate qualification called the MRCP. So I did that. And then I was a, a registrar for a little bit, which is like a, for the non-medics, so the registrars who really do the sort of day-to-day running of the hospital and of the acute medical takes and you ask your consultants for advice. And I did that for a bit in acute medicine and geriatrics and then switched because I got married and my husband, who I met in New Zealand, actually, we were both doing the same job. So we were both acute medical registrars and our hours were just horrendous. So I was doing a week of nights, and would hand over to him in the same hostel for a week of days, both doing 12-hour shifts for a week. And we just thought, goodness me, this isn't going to work for our marriage. So we both changed and decided to retrain as GPs. And in the middle of that time, did some voluntary work running a, a hospital in Malawi. And then, yeah, qualified as a GP and did my postgraduate GP qualifications. And that was in 2007, quite a long time ago. And then I had my first child and I haven't worked I hadn't until now worked since then. I I thought that I would just go back full time at six months because that's what everyone did and what 
I thought I would do. You know, as you said, you thought, okay, six months, I will go back. And then you ended up taking a much longer career break in the end. What prompted you then to take that length of time off? Yeah, so interestingly, my GP trainer, when I said, oh, I'm going to come back full time at six months, he, very wise man, said, you, you just wait and see how you feel when you've had a baby. And he was right. I think it, it was partly sort of circumstance. So we moved out of London. My husband was a GP for part of the week and then he was working for NHS England and doing lots of travel. And we just, I couldn't see a way to, and obviously there are lots and lots of amazing doctor mums who make it work and work full time and go through training, postgraduate training and make it work. But it just didn't work for us. So partly it was circumstance around his hours. Also, I'd been caught up in a, in a terrorist incident in my 20s. And when, which I won't go into now, but when I had my first child, all that sort of came out. I'd sort of gone along being high achieving medic for quite some time. And then when I had my first child, I had really bad postnatal anxiety. And I just, you know, couldn't see a way back. So that was us for a while. And then I was fine. And then I had two more children. And then by the time I'd had my third child, I'd been out for sort of six years. And it seemed I just couldn't really see a way back in. I knew I wanted to go back in and to get my identity back as a doctor, but I just, there weren't clear pathways to do it and I didn't really know how to go about it. So I ended up getting really involved in loads of voluntary work and big projects, making that my work, which I really enjoyed. And obviously I also, I really feel very grateful for having that time with the children. But yeah, so it ended up being, I sort of started thinking about going back probably about five years ago and it's taken me five years to get there. I think that's a, it's quite a common story that both Karen and I would hear from other returners is that they take, tend to take a little bit of time off, but it then stretches and then you get to a certain point of time and it feels quite hard. It feels much more tricky all of a sudden to make your way back, but also that actually the contemplation coming back also takes quite some time from thinking about it to actually getting to the point where you're there. Totally, totally. Yeah. And I th- I've said to you before that I've been, I came to your conference twice, actually, which was amazing. And the first time I went, I, I was, was thinking about coming back, but I didn't have any concrete plans. It was just an idea in the air that I didn't really know how to start on the map to go back. And then, it, but it really sort of inspired me and m- meeting all these other women and hearing these stories of people who've, who had a similar time out to me start, and, and had similar sort of anxieties and thoughts to me about going back made me think, oh, maybe it's not so crazy after all. Or even maybe I should do something else. You know, I'm talking to the, the civil service people at the conference. And then the next year I went back and I was more serious about it. And yeah, that was, it was really wonderful. It was very, it was a very sort of important first step. Great. Thank you. And I think it's about meeting other women in the same position as you and realising you're not on your own. And that's what's valuable and so motivating. That you, And you hear other stories of people and how they've got back and, and you realise that you can do it. But when you reflect back on your career break now, what skills and strengths do you think you developed during it? Yeah, uh, quite a lot. And I think at the time, I didn't appreciate those skills. I was underselling what I was doing because it was voluntary and a lot of my friends were medics who were high achieving in the medical world. But actually, looking back, I had learned lots of different skills that have been really useful since I've been back at work. I did quite a lot of fundraising for school. Um, so I set up this big nearly new sale, which sort of had a 10 grand turnover of children's things. That was a big, so it was event management, really, and advertising and spreadsheets. 
So I learned about all that and about how to motivate people. And I suppose I was leading a team and that was useful. And then I did various other big fundraising things. I had up this fundraising effort to raise money for the AstroTurf at school, which was, you know, 100,000 in three months. So various events. So fundraising and writing grants, involving and collaborating and networking, actually, which I'd never really done before, but that was that turned out to be quite important. And then I got, we got really involved in the local football club because I started running a football tournament between different schools and found that really rewarding because I just loved seeing children gain confidence from being part of a team and I ended up being the co-chair of, the, of like one of the largest tournaments in South East England with 4,000 players, 400 teams, raising loads of money. And that was really useful. It was really hard, just a weekend, really hard work, but just so many different facets to skills that I've been able to use since, making things happen and planning and yeah, and that was all voluntary work. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say we tend to undersell it because it's not paid, because it's voluntary. So many of the things that you've mentioned there from collaborating, motivating people, leading people, making things happen, I can see how transferable they are to your current role you know, in, in medicine and how important, you know, what an important part they must play. Massively, yeah. And I think also that whole like doing voluntary work was very good for me. It was very good. I think that I read somewhere it's the best kept secret to, to mental health doing a bit of voluntary work and it, it felt very valuable but because it's you're not getting paid you don't feel judged as you would do at work and I think that was the difference so well, I can do all this work and you know I was offered some jobs actually from doing running various things not in medicine but in sort of you know business and things but I felt it didn't count for anything because it was because <laughs> I wasn't paid and I was just a mum doing all this stuff but actually it has been really useful and I, I now realize that I'm not going to apologize for my time off and all the things I did because I think that I am where I am now because of that yeah, absolutely. And also, as you said yourself earlier, you really valued that precious time with your children when they were young. And that's kind of an important thing to recognise alongside all the fantastic transferable skills you gained. You talked a bit about the conferences. What motivated you to even start thinking about returning to work? So I think in medicine and in quite a lot of professional careers, you, it's your identity. I studied for six years as a student and then six six, seven years as a sort of doing working postgraduate training, spent loads of money on exams. And it was part of who I am, part of who I was. And I didn't really ever lose that. I just wasn't working. But I still, I wanted to get that part of me back. And I always really loved medicine. I knew for a while that I wanted to go back. I think when my youngest started school, I thought, right, this is it. I need to, I need to get on with it. And procrastinated for quite a long time as I say, came to a conference twice, went to another brilliant conference that I would recommend to any medics from the Maudsley in South London. They run a returners workshop for three days, which is partly clinical, but quite a lot to do with human factors and confidence and coming back from a career break. And then now, because of the success of the last one, they're opening that up to people who've been off for a long time. So that's there. And yeah, so it's more about just... So interestingly, I spent far too long trying to work out what was the perfect role. Did I want to go back to general practice? Or did I want to go back into hospital medicine? And did I want full-time or part-time? And what did I want to specialise in? And, and I was getting bogged down in the, the sort of final destination rather than just making that first step. And it's been much easier to think about it now I'm back at work. And I wish I'd known that. I wish I'd known that if I just did the first bit, it would be easier. Yeah, and then COVID came along. So I set up a, a Facebook group about two and a half years ago for, for doctors who have had long career breaks. And it was so wonderful to find that there were other people, that were other doctors who'd had time out because out of all my friends, they would had either stayed in work 
and had been amazing or had stopped totally and didn't want to go back. So to find people who had a career break of at least four years and want to get back, we found, made a little tribe and that was really wonderful and really important. And then when COVID came along with another lady called Rachel Rumery, who has talked at your conference before, another medic who had a career break, we started a, another Facebook book group for returning doctors just for in the time of COVID. So that was not only people who've been on career breaks, but also like retired people coming back or people coming back from research. And a lot of the worries about skills were very similar. So that was quite big. And I was very vocal about how we should, how the NHS should be using retired and returning doctors and that there are a lot of people who want to come back and they just don't really know how to. You know, I was talking to my local MP and then emailing Matt Hancock. I spoke to a lot of my friends who are hospital doctors and got an email of the lead in Oxford to, to say, is there, is there anything I could do? I thought, even if I can't get back and be anywhere near at the level I was, I could help turn patients, I could help take blood, I could help call relatives. There must be something I can do. And that's how it started. So that was in probably March last year. Fantastic. And there's a couple of bits there that I, I really liked, Sarah. One was the fact that you said you were getting caught up on the need for the, the right role to be there, to find the perfect thing. And we find that really often. And particularly, we like to talk with people about actually your first role after your break doesn't need to be perfect. Even though sometimes there's this pressure, if you know, I've taken like you 12 years out and this first rollback must be just right. Actually, you've still got a whole career ahead of you and it's just a stepping stone. And then the second thing was listening to you and your journey back. And it might take some time, but you were wonderfully proactive. You didn't sit there waiting for something just to fall into your lap. You just created connections and tried to find your own pathway and tried to find people to support you along the way, which was great. Yeah, and I think, and I don't want to quote you back at you, but you, I remember your speech at the the first, I can't remember, it was the first conference or last conference, but about action and how you get confidence from action. And that is so true. You know, I was really underconfident about working. And actually, when I even thought about going back to being a doctor, I just had this knot of anxiety in my stomach and think, oh, I just, it's too big. I can't, you know, I've forgotten everything. And I, I just couldn't see myself in that role. I couldn't see myself how I used to be. But very quickly, by doing something, I felt more confident. I think only by trying it would I have been, did that confidence come back? So you were right. <laughs> I love it. I love the fact that it gives me a little warm fuzzy thinking that you still remember me at the conference. It is. So it's one of my favourite phrases that confidence is not a requirement for action. Confidence is a result of action. So uh, that's sat with you. Super. Well, so actually also before my, before I phoned, so I had a phone call set up with the sort of acute medicine lead, a lovely doctor in Oxford. And I had written down sort of key points from the conference that resonated with me and also from the Maudsley conference. And it basically is a bit of CBT, isn't it? So cognitive behavioral therapy, where you are trying to change your thoughts and recognize that they are thoughts and not truths. And I would read that over before any interview or any big thing that I was scared of, and it worked. And also I was doing that, you know, the Amy Cuddy power pose. I found that really helped. I don't think anyone saw me do it because I looked ridiculous, but, you know, doing the Wonder Woman pose for two minutes before I, I had any important meeting or important phone call, that really helped. 
That's brilliant. We often use that power pose in our coaching because it just does make such a big difference to just feel powerful before you need to to get started or do something brave. So you talked about making those phone calls and you you were proactive and you took some action and those right back at the early days of when you got back. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the challenges in those early days? How did you find it sort of first getting back, I guess, during the middle of a pandemic as well? Well, I think actually the pandemic was... It's obviously horrendous, but in terms of getting back to medicine, it was easier because lots of people were doing roles that they weren't used to. You know, there were orthopedic surgeons working in intensive care because they were short. There was a lot of collaboration within medicine. It felt very different to when I last worked. So in, in a way, that was helpful for going back. Yeah, so initially I phoned a lovely doctor and the first thing he said was, and I was terrified actually on the phone. I had to I had to walk around the block <laughs> on the phone because I was so scared. And the first thing he said was, "Thank you for coming back. Maybe they could use me." And then he put me in touch with the geriatric department because I had geriatric in terms of elderly people rather than elderly doctors. <laughs> but the, the lead there, also lovely, suggested that I start by doing an honorary contract, which essentially is an unpaid job for a length of time to upskill. And I think in other professions, you you probably wouldn't need to do that. But in medicine, you really, you can't just be let, so safety-wise, you can't just be let loose on the wards. You need to be back up to date. So that was part of my reskilling. So I ended up doing almost three months working in a nine to five, sort of four days a week, unpaid to get back up to speed. And that was so valuable. And I think really I was, so the chat challenges, the challenges, technology, massive. I can, I'm a sort of one finger typer and I taught myself to touch type. I'm still pretty slow, but everything used to be, paper notes and now it's all on the computer and I was just so I'm sure the people showing me thought I was so stupid because I just couldn't work it out you know they'd show me several times so that was a massive challenge I think the amount of knowledge that I needed and to get back up to speed was a big challenge and not only did I have to remember the things that I used to know also some things had changed or quite a lot of things had changed lots of new medicines new ways of treating people so I had to carve out time to to study. And I think, yeah, confidence. So confidence slowly, slowly got better. But initially I was felt very underconfident. It didn't last very long, but I did feel very underconfident to start with. Or I think also the, the change in dynamics for our family in that I had been around for you know, 12 years of my son's life and seven years of my younger daughter's life. And then suddenly I was at work all the time and I couldn't hug them when I came in straight away because I was in clothes. I had to have a shower because of, the, because of COVID. Um, so there were, there were many challenges. But interesting, I think some of them were real and some of them were in my head. So yeah, none of them were insurmountable. It's really interesting the way you talk about some of them were real and some of them were in your head. So what were the ones that were in your head that actually in practice weren't a problem, weren't a challenge for you? I think lots of, some things had changed, but some things had stayed the same. And actually I had underestimated, so, so confidence and, have, and feeling like a doctor and acting like a doctor and interacting with other health professionals. And I thought that I would be very apologetic that I'd been out for 13 years and, you know, I was useless. Actually, a lot of those sort of soft skills, you don't lose them. So, you know, interacting with and speaking to relatives and interacting within the multidisciplinary team, which I love, I still had those skills. You know, I looked at the whole of the syllabus of medicine and all the research, and it's massive, and I was overwhelmed by how much I had to know. But actually, you know, I did quite a lot of work revising emergency treatment of things. And once I started working 
a lot of the other things fell back into place. So it hadn't all gone. I thought I couldn't remember anything. But once I'd started doing a little bit of work, and so it was like those neural pathways had been activated, I could remember other things. So that was really lovely. I also was nervous about how people would see me because I'd had so long out and about being so old and being so much older than everybody else. And it didn't matter at all. And also there were lots of... There were a lot, in Oxford, there's a, a grad medicine course, so there were people who were older than me who were junior, and then lots of people have had have done various things. It wasn't seen as a negative, and I was really nervous about that, about being the oldest person, just looking like completely out of place, and actually no one really notices. Every now and again, someone's like, you're how old? <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, and I think that's a similar, that last one about, gosh, I'll be the oldest one around, is a similar fear that we hear from a lot of returners. And I think, you know, being able to flip that round and say, actually, what maturity do I bring or calmness or experience in handling a range of situations and, and working with different people or just general kind of life wisdom, actually, all of those things come with age as well. And they're a huge benefit when you're Absolutely. And I, and also in, in medicine, you spend a lot of time dealing with people and families. And when you've been on the other side of that and you've had relatives who've sadly died from COVID who didn't have very good hospital communication or worried parents or worried relatives or friends die, you, my life experience is so different to be, you, when you qualify as a doctor, you're often 23, 24, and completely naive and don't have very much life experience. And, and definitely that sort of definitely renewed, well, increased empathy. But also I knew how to communicate with people, which was, yeah, very valuable. Yeah. And then Sarah, one of the things that we hear a lot from returners is that they're worried about what their balance is going to be like after they've been back at work. You already had a pretty full life on your break and then you add work into that mix. How have you found it's been in terms of maintaining balance? What have you found has helped? What have you found that's still been challenging? Yes, I'm probably not the best person to talk to you about this because I think I'm working full-time in the middle of a pandemic on a COVID ward. So I don't feel like my balance is very good at the moment. I've dropped all my volunteering activities and I felt guilty initially, but that absolutely needed to happen if I was going to focus on work. I still do my disabled so I set up a disabled football team for children with cerebral palsy that was just wonderful. And I still do that, but I've dropped everything else. I found a, a wonderful childminder who looks after the younger two girls after school and sort of got childcare sorted. And so I didn't worry about it. My husband's working a little bit occasionally from home, so he's a bit more flexible. I wish I had been more vocal on the outset about going part-time. So I went for, after my sort of period where I was working unpaid, I went for a proper job and interviewed with a couple of hundred people, went for the job and got that job. And I probably should have said very early and I want to be part-time. And I didn't because I felt maybe they were doing me a favour. But actually, yeah, that's what I should have done. I'm, I don't mind working so hard now because, you know, it's a national emergency. It's a public health crisis of our generation, hopefully. Hopefully there won't be another one. But yeah, my, I don't think my balance is quite right. I'm trying hard to, to get out and about at the weekends and do some gardening and spend some time with the kids. And we've definitely changed things to make, sort of lowered standards a little bit. So we might get a takeaway on a Friday night or a HelloFresh or a Gusto box rather than making a homemade lasagna, etc. So I think I've lowered my expectations about being able to do it all, but I'm working on the balance. I think maybe that's a question for next year. And it, for me, it's always an interesting one because I don't think anyone's balance is 
perfect all the time and I think it sounds like you've put some very practical things in place and also that sometimes it does need to be back at work to get you into a place where you can negotiate over time the working arrangement that works for you and you've made those first steps back and you've still got many many years of career in which you can probably over time find a bit more of that that balance that works for you along the way. Yes yes hopefully and and yeah there are advantages in working full-time as well I'm definitely back up to speed a lot quicker and I get paid more. It's not all a bad thing, yeah. Great. And and Sarah, looking back now, what would you say are some of the things that you're most proud of personally and professionally in your return to work journey? I think that I have managed to upskill very quickly, much more quickly than I thought I would. And others have commented on it as well, that actually I've almost got back to the level that I was before I left hospital medicine and went into general practice. And I think I'm going to stay in hospital medicine. And that has really not taken that, that long. And I've worked really hard. So I'm really proud of how hard I've worked and how, how much I now know and how confident I feel in certain sort of emergency medical situations. I'm also very proud of what I can bring to the team in terms of the department that I work in is really wonderful. It's very warm, wonderful, not so hierarchical as lots of other medical specialties department. And I really enjoy working with all the other disciplines. So the, so the occupational therapists and the pharmacists and the physios. And I think I'm proud of the way that I'm trying very hard to create a, a strong team sort of bonding feeling. I'm lucky I've been on one ward the whole time, whereas others have rotated through. But that's, I think it's really important for well-being in the middle of this horrendous pandemic is to feel valued. So I think I've made a difference there. And I'm proud that I've, I've made a difference with with families and with relatives and been able to do something. You know, I couldn't have stood back in this pandemic and years to come, my children say, so what did you do? And I'm really proud of that. I'm proud also of helping other people back to work. I told you about the the Facebook groups. We've also got a WhatsApp group of people who've been out for over five years. And it's just wonderful. Keep seeing, you know, we're supporting each other and keep seeing up somebody else has gone back after such a long time and someone else has got another job starting on Monday and that's really exciting and again it's that sort of power of having people in the same situation. It's really interesting because we hear one of the fears that we hear a lot from returners is this feeling of how long is it going to take me to get back up to speed and the reality is that what we see time and time again is that actually people get up to speed so much more quickly than they thought as you know as you say it's almost about once you get going and you get started things seem to fall into place and I think this piece around community for you and collaboration some of the skills that you build during your career break and you were working in your fundraising teams with other people feels like you've really brought that now into the wards where you're working and in terms of the other disciplines that you're working with it feels like a coming full circle which is a really lovely thing that you can bring. Mm. I hope so I hope so I think that's really important I really value the team and if that's something that I can improve I'll be really happy. Great. And Sarah, we had one last question. And as you said, you've worked a lot now with others who are also returning to work after a career break. What advice would you have for other people more broadly who might be considering a return to work after a break? I think to say you can do it. You can absolutely do it. And to not undersell yourself and not underestimate yourself. You know, if you've done something before, and you've been good at it before, you can do it again. You haven't changed. You've changed maybe your circumstance, but you haven't changed your inner core of who you are and what kind of person you are. Yeah, don't understand yourself. Don't apologise for your time out. You know, see it as a positive rather than a negative. We're working, going to be working until we're 70 probably. So it's actually quite a small time out of a working career. I think take little steps, tentatively 
put some feelers out, some emails, see if there are any specific sort of return to work programs. I know you you partner with a lot of an industry and just have a go. And if you don't get it first time, it doesn't matter. Just, you know, keep going. Or maybe even think about another career. There are lots of careers in the NHS at the moment. <laughs> and the confidence, really, that confidence will sort of have faith that the confidence will come. Don't put yourself down. You know, you will get back to eventually where you were before. Even if it seems impossible, It's that's just the thoughts in your head rather than what the truth is. And I suppose if it's, if you're not yet there and looking to get getting back, then maybe think about things that you could do in a voluntary capacity that would give you some skills to pad out your CV. So there's lots of local community clubs or PTAs or anything really to give you something else. And that was quite important to me. Sort of felt a bit like working again and that increased my confidence so I could eventually apply for this job. Wonderful, super advice. And the bits that I really, amazing piece of advice, the bits that I really took out of that, you know, the piece about just taking little steps, it doesn't need to be big and massive, but actually just the little steps will move you along, that keep going, even if it doesn't work out the first time, and even if it doesn't work out the 50th time, that will happen. Look for voluntary opportunities as an opportunity to build your skills, but just that overwhelming piece, Sarah, that you can do it, have confidence, try to boost yourself up that, to believe that, that it will happen. Sarah, it's been such a pleasure to uh, to speak with you today, to hear more about your journey, obviously from those first you know, fascinating early career, from the reasons for taking your break and the challenges that you faced along the way coming back. I loved hearing about some of the skills and strengths that you developed on your break, but also to hearing about your journey since you've been back and the, and the incredibly valuable job that you're now doing in the middle of, of, as you said, a global pandemic. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for all your amazing work that you're doing at Women Returners. It was a massive turning point to me so thank you very much you're very welcome so Karen I really loved hearing Sarah's story and one of the strongest parts that really stuck with me was about her recognizing all those strengths and skills that she'd gained while she was on her 12-year career break yeah she did some amazing things didn't she so fundraising for her school organizing a football tournament for I think it was 400 teams and then when she ran that football team for, for children with cerebral palsy which she was recognized for by the FA awards I mean really inspirational stuff yeah absolutely really inspirational and and also that I can imagine through those volunteering experiences she she would have developed such an amazing range of skills, whether it's motivating people, persuading people, probably some negotiation skills, and it's being able to organise those big things, being able to um, stay calm under pressure, all of which, which have been so useful to her now. She's back at the hospital, back in paid work. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't need to be large scale events either, you know, even running a busy household, caring for your family members, relocating your family. It's all going to help you to have developed, you know, a really wide range of valuable skills that you can use when you're actually back in the workplace. And also, you know, we hear time and time again that that just having stepped off your career path, having that break, just helps you to see things differently and it gives you that sort of different perspective, that wisdom, that maturity that, that employers really value. Yeah, it certainly does. Whatever you have been doing, particularly if it's voluntary work on your break, do make sure that you value it and take time to, to take stock of your achievements and your or your learnings. Because when you get to the point of actually interviewing for a job, for a role that you want, actually that volunteering experience or, or broader experience on your break can provide wonderful examples when you're actually answering those interview questions. Absolutely. And it, and it can be a fantastic confidence booster as well. I mean, we know that when people start back 
in work, they often feel a little bit of self-doubt. They, they, they lack that professional confidence from having not worked for a while. And I think just recognizing the, the skills and the strengths that you've gained from doing that volunteering work just can really boost your confidence when you're returning to work. Yeah, it definitely can. So if you're sitting there listening and you're on a career break and thinking about returning to work, I guess what we'd say is is do take a look at what you've learnt, what you've developed, what you've gained from your break. Even if it's unpaid or voluntary, your experiences will have still helped you to develop a real range of skills and strengths that you can transfer and also talk about as you start back on the path to paid work again. Thanks for joining us today and we really hope that this story will inspire you to take the next step in your own return to work journey. Do tell your friends and family about the Career Returners podcast and when you get a moment we'd love you to subscribe, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. A big thank you again to Credit Space for supporting us to create this podcast series. Credit Space has supported professionals on a career break to successfully return to work for many years. Take a look at their Real Returns program if you're thinking about returning to work. With a focus on transferable skills, the programme has been important in opening new career directions for returners across the years. And if you're looking for more advice and guidance in your own return to work journey, we're here to support you. Visit us at womenreturners.com and sign up to our free returners network to hear about returner opportunities and join our growing community of returners in our Facebook group. We look forward to you joining us again for the next episode of the Career Returners podcast.